Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Bite Show podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Lawman Lamont, and I am joined tonight on this May the 24th by Dale Count Elmdor Jones. How's it going, Dale? Yeah, it's good. You know, it's weird. I was just I was just playing Final Fantasy XI before before we started recording uh, because they're they're doing the like yearly anniversary celebration and during this two week period it's free to log in if you've if you've played in the past if you've ever been a paying subscriber right uh, if you remember about this time last year they had the 15th anniversary and I had subscribed for like a month or two and played it a bunch of then um, so anyway I decided I'd, I'd dip in for this anniversary period um, just to kind of you know check things out and have a little bit of fun but while I was on there I got mm-hmm. a, a, a message a, a tell in the world like a, a direct private message from a guy uh-huh. that I used to play with like 12 13 14 years ago oh that's dark yeah it was crazy and, and um, you know I guess it turns out like he has just recently started came back to, to revisit the game as well and so it was just like, oh I thought I thought you were gonna say he, he never left and his life no. is now a shambles because he no, I don't think anybody has has you know been there Stayed. the entire time. Because it's oh, they have in Japan. I'm sure you know, there some are people. Of them probably have. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly didn't. It was for me. It was ten years before I even came back one time at all, right? And but now I'm I'm kind of into this idea of like every year, if they have this free period every year, just like duck in and you know make a little bit of progress and check out a few things and then immediately. You know when the when the free period is up, get back out. Yeah, but you're gonna be like juggling all these PMs from like all these friends, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, Dale, how are you?" And you're gonna be like, "I'm just grinding right now. Yeah. Don't leave me alone." No, they'll. Uh, it'll be like attrition. They'll they'll diminish over time. <laughs> oh, you think you'll be the one? You'll be the Highlander. I have been. I have been. You know, until until this guy this guy Draco sent me the. Uh, Draco. Yeah, it was weird because, like, so back in the day with Final Fantasy XI, if you wanted to level your character up, you had to be pretty dedicated. Like, the, the only thing that really compares these days is, like, a Destiny raid group, right? It's, like, mm-hmm. like literally six people, and you have to have a, a, a pretty well-set schedule. If you want to do it with any regularity or have a consistent, what they called uh, like, a static group, um, yeah. basically you would have a group of people that made a total of six and you had to be complimentary jobs so that you had a well-rounded battle party so that you had a tank mm-hmm. and DPS and heal and all that stuff. Yeah. And then what you would do is it's a pretty convoluted process in that game to, to go out and XP. You couldn't just go anywhere because the monsters might be too weak or too strong or you might get somewhere and it's a really good place to like sit and then have somebody go pull monsters and bring them back and then you kill them. So they have all these like kind of, really good campgrounds out there but somebody else might already be there when you get there and so it's like well crap this area can only support like three parties of people grinding and so we got to go to another area or something like that ah now see now now so up until this point you've basically been describing world of warcraft yeah kind of but but see world of warcraft is um it's like another few generations by this point of evolved game systems and stuff from the point that final fantasy 11 even is now you know right um but but basically, to make a long story short, is this guy Draco was part of my static leveling group that I played with um, regularly for probably at least a year um, to to level up our respective jobs from uh, you know thirty or whatever level we started at all the way to level seventy five, which back in that day would take ages and ages and ages. Like literally, we would we would go out and we would get together. Um, 
maybe maybe almost every night or like several nights a week and spend probably at least four hours and that's that's with your raid group right uh and, and yeah well yeah, exactly but it wasn't even to raid it wasn't even to do anything special it was to level up so which one of you guys is the whip like which one of you guys is like you will show up you'll be there at 6 p.m you're gonna be there nightly you can't let the rest of us down. You got to do this. You know, you know. Oddly enough, we didn't have anybody that was like that because we all, when when we weren't together in the party and actually playing together, we were in the same chat channel, basically like the guild uh. chat channel in that game. It's called Link Shell. Oh yeah, yeah. See, a lot of that stuff is in Final Fantasy fourteen also. Yeah. So it's like it's like you always have this channel open, and what you kind of do is find a time of day when several of you are on, and then you arrange to make it more formal, right? So it's uh. you're kind of already in an situation that's conducive to something like that and then you just sort of formalize it so it's like our discord server over at uh, game bites show right yeah yeah you know it's, yeah, a, lot it's a lot like that, a lot yeah, like or, that. or like an mirc channel or something oh like yeah that. oh yeah everything's easy breezy in discord uh so if you're listening to this you should go uh, go join us there we're uh, getting some good stuff started in fact i'll talk about that at the end of the show but uh we have to do the show first before i can get there so you're gonna have to wait for that well, we've already started. That's one of my games right there. That is one of your games. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, secret intro. Well, then I guess you just still started the show. What else have you been playing this week? <laughs> um, uh, one one other thing. I'm 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 gonna conclude my Final Fantasy XI segment by saying that I'm now in a race against time because the free period this year ends. They say it ends on the 28th. 28th is Memorial Day in the U.S. Does that mean it ends at the end of the 28th or the beginning of the 28th? Who can That's tell? That's ambiguous. Nobody knows. Um, back in the day, I probably would have been able to tell you down to like the moment when the servers are going to update or whatever. But uh, these days, I, I don't know. So, but anyway, what I'm going to try to do is reach the, the the level 75 on my samurai job um, because that was at one point level 75 was the level cap, and I had if um, even back then I had I had gotten black mage and uh, monk and ninja to 75, and um, when I started playing again last year. I started my samurai at like level three or something and got it all the way to 64. And uh, since I jumped in this year, like last week or so, um, I've taken it from 64 to 73 as of tonight. So I'm wanting to hit those that last extra couple of levels to get to the what was at one time the cap. And then I'm going to be done, I think, for this year. Um, for this year. For this year. Yeah. And then, you know, next year for the 17th anniversary, maybe I'll... When they bring it back on the PlayStation 4. I'll dip back in, maybe. You know, they did have an interview just recently because it's the anniversary thing. I saw, like, somebody had um, <clears throat> translated and tweeted, like, a summary of a of a Famitsu interview or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't track down the actual thing. But what they were saying was that they hoped to uh, continue developing the game, um, you know, well into the future. Uh, the only thing holding them back is that the, t- the size of the team these days is really small. Oh, uh, yeah. But did, did they did they speak the words pure station yon? Uh no. In fact, I don't know if you can play the game on a console at all these days. I think it's PC only. Although they are doing a mobile, like as in phones, version of the game. See, that's the thing. Like, why don't we have more games that are just like in? They're definitely better than PlayStation Two era stuff. Like, why do we oh, not have yeah. more big boy video games on mobile? Because it, it's not a horsepower. Well, I think it's a control. Um, control I don't know I just don't think they're trying issue. I just don't think they're trying yeah well you know I guess they're trying a little bit but they're not trying a lot right no they're not trying although a lot. I hear that China has like full-on Mobas on phones that have a really huge audience and and stuff yeah so, I it's mean, doable. If you can do that like why not I mean they, they just have to breed it into us like they just have to get us used to it for a few years and then we'll all be into it 
That's what I think. Uh, office equipment for life. Yeah. No. No. Boo. Boo. Um. But you know what? You know what else I want to talk about? And this has been a, a sort of a pleasant surprise for me is that even further back in my uh, gaming career uh, than Final Fantasy XI, like the if my my probably number one gaming obsession in the years before um, I went to college and 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 before I was uh, teaching English in Japan and had a, a million years to play Final Fantasy XI. Uh, but back in like the, the junior junior high and, and and part of high school, I was like way, way, way into Magic the Gathering, the, the actual, the card game. Oh with, yeah, oh yeah. With that, with the cards, right? Uh, and if you're familiar, I played from like third edition or revised as it was known. Um, through like the releases of like Ice Age and Mirage and um, Tempest was after that. I didn't play much Tempest, but then there was like Urza's Legacy, and I think that was around the period that I never played again after. I'm I'm only really familiar with the edition when they started pasting those crafty Google eyes onto the cards. Unglued. Yeah, that's. that's I don't think actually did Google eyes, did it? Maybe. Well, I don't know. I've seen it on Tumblr. Like they'll be like, "Here's this card, except he's got googly eyes." It makes oh, all the cards way more okay. interesting. Yeah. No, you're thinking of something different. They, they actually oh. did a parody set called Unglued that like did crazy things. Like two, it took two cards to to show one monster because it was like the biggest monster in the game. It was like ninety nine ninety nine or whatever stuff like that. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, to again make a long story short here. Um, <laughs> Magic the Gathering Arena is their their way of basically doing a Hearthstone, um, but but magic, right? Hmm. So they're they're digitizing it and making it play, um, you know, over the internet, head to head, with a pack booster pack system and um, tournament sort of system, arena sort of system, basically just like Hearthstone does, except that it's a, a good game. Uh, so so this is like this is like the Tomb Raider to uh, Uncharted back to Tomb Raider for cards. Yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty apt uh, comparison. Yeah, um, it's it's what is underlying um, a much much better game, a much more balanced and strategic and, and interesting card game, uh, but with um, and and because they don't quite pull it off, but but they're they're trying to hit the like production values and sort of feel goodiness that Blizzard puts into all of their games. Um, and so what I've, what I've found so far with playing Magic the Gathering Arena, which is is in beta, it's a, I think it's a closed beta, so you have to get an invite. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to actually release, but in-game and playing the actual game, it's it's straight-up Magic, as, as you would actually play in like a tournament setting. There's no shortcutting or dumbing down of the rules or anything like that and that's that's kind of a double-edged sword because uh, on the one hand it's everything you want but then on the other hand hearthstone is able to be sort of easy easy breezy quick to play because you're not there are no actions that you're capable of when it's your opponent's turn However, magic is full of that sort of thing so oh. um, so if you're familiar with magic Jeremy are you I am familiar only with the Google AI version of Magic. Okay, no, okay. So, well, basically, to, to, to make it kind of simple is that um, there's a whole lot of stuff to it. Um, one of the key things about Magic is that you can mix colors, whereas in Hearthstone, you, you can never mix 
classes from cards from two different classes, but you do have that pool of like neutral cards in the middle that you draw from. That's kind of where the similarities end. Um, but the, the, basically what I'm getting at is that the flow of the game is a little bit more start-stop, uh, stutter-step in Magic than it is in Hearthstone, just because um, when you sit down and play someone face-to-face -face with cards, it's not an issue. But when it's a digital game, they have to give you the sort of second or two every time your opponent makes a play they have to kind of like let you say do you want to jump in and do something um to counteract that before we resolve the whole thing because mm. like a, a very simple example is like if i'm playing a, a blue colored deck and my, my opponent casts you know a, a spell or a creature or something one of the big things about the blue is that like they can do counter spells so you can prevent a, some, a card from ever even coming into play by immediately countering it as they go to to cast it. Well, in order for that to work, you have to take that option during their turn, right? And so the rules of magic allow for that. But then when you digitize it, what happens is that if I'm the player playing a, a creature or a spell or whatever, um, in Hearthstone, where you would just immediately put it out there and it's done, in magic, the opponent has to have, basically they have to like click a button that says, I'm okay with this proceeding without me interrupting it. And so what you then get is that the, the if, if somebody's not entirely on top of things or not completely paying attention, it'll do that thing where like it's their turn to interrupt and there's like a little counter. So if they don't do it within 20 seconds, it just moves on and then they get like a little bit of a penalty or whatever. Well, you have to wait 20 seconds to resolve your card that you just played. Yeah. If, if they're like not looking at the screen and like they're distracted or something or they're just not, they don't know what they have to do. So that's, there's a couple of things that can come up here. They can be distracted and not paying attention or, they're like new to this version of the game and the little the prompt for that is kind of like in the lower right and it's not it's not up in your face right so if you're not looking directly at it or whatever you might not know can you imagine sitting across the table from someone just like this and just waiting for 20 seconds no see it doesn't come up in when you play in real life because it's you know but yeah but i'm saying what it would abstract that's what is basically happening though right yeah, I mean, but it's it's different, you know, because when you're when you're at the other end of a computer, you know, it's like maybe they're like tweeting or something when they should be watching right, the thing right. that's prompting them to do something. Yeah, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, but but basically, what I'm getting at is that Magic, the the core rule set, I think, is a much better game, but that um, it doesn't quite translate to digital as well as the more simplified rule set of hearthstone does just right. hmm. hearthstone was, was created from the down ground up to be this way right? uh, i think that's something that they could pretty easily overcome by you know um making that prompt bigger or shortening that 20 seconds to like 10 maybe but then at the same time like you have to have time to think about things sometimes so i don't know i think they can work through it the the other thing is that the and this is a pretty petty complaint but this is one thing that i was hated about like league of legends also was that the um the the user interface client like the not because not the stuff in game because that's fine but like when you hit escape and like you bring up the menus it looks like it has this like low rent cheapo looking like my first uh unity engine <laughs> menu system or something and it's just it looks cheap and and generic which is not something you would ever say about a blizzard game because like everything they do is completely stylized and just like solid looking and just the production value is just out the wazoo right? right um and so that's obviously that's who they're trying to dethrone and while i think they absolutely could just based on the strength of the game technically i think they um 
have some ground to, to cover and, and improve upon there. But otherwise, I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's it's great to actually be playing Magic again because it's been uh, probably 18 years since I played a game of Magic before. So are you are week. you any good at it? No, no. I'm, I mean, I remember oh, okay. how to play it, but... Um, <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not good because because what being good at requires is obviously like knowledge of the current environment, like knowing all the cards backwards and forwards so that you're able to then build decks based on combinations and come out with strategies. No, I'm at the point now where I'm playing with the the set of like 10 pre-constructed decks and I'm just like choosing one and hopping in and oh, what does this card do? Okay. And so I'm not like, I think I've won like three games out of, 10 or something because because i i have no idea what i'm i mean i know how to play because the, here's the thing about magic is that um especially back in the day like when it was first getting going in like the mid late 90s is it had a completely overly complex rule system that they've since um streamlined some but it's, it's still pretty complex but but back then it was like i spent a whole summer like literally reading through those little rule books that came with the, the the decks back then and like figuring out how to play it. I mean, that's the cool thing. That That's the cool thing about putting it on a computer is that that takes all of that away. It just takes through, you know, the math and the, I mean, it's kind of like we've been talking about Battletech, which actually we'll be talking about in a second, is that it takes all of those dice roll. Like if you launch 15 missiles at someone and you roll one die for each missile and then calculate yeah. that and then figure out where to distribute that damage, that's the perfect thing for a computer to do but for because, you. Because magic is... Is, it has never been a computer game. It, that doesn't really. That's not really a factor in playing Magic on the computer because it's built as primarily a, a game for people with a deck of cards. And, and there's no dice rolling in Magic. There never has been. Um, and so, so there's not a, there's not random calculations. What math there is is just very very simple. So, like, so the rules are more just like you do this thing and then do that. But unless this person does this first and then you can do that. Exactly. It's and not only that, but the the magic has always had like a turn structure. So like your turn is built into different phases, right? And so like your the the first thing you do is you untap all of your lands and creatures or whatever, and basically bring the, everything back to kind of like your your square one setup. And then you go through your upkeep phase, which is like. Anytime you have to maintain costs to um, keep something out on the board, you do that. And then you draw a phase. And then you got like a main phase. And then you got combat phase. And then combat goes through like all these other sub phases of like you declare your attackers, you declare your blockers, you find out who's blocking who, and then you assign damage. And then they you know, mitigate and whatever, all this stuff. And then at the end, there's like a discard phase if you have too many cards in your hand. It's like, it's it's a whole big thing, right? <laughs> it's just stuff. Um, and, and, and that stuff actually, you know, goes by pretty quickly. Um, so I don't know. Overall, I think it's pretty cool. I'm going to keep playing it. And uh, that's what I was going to ask is, are you going to spend money on these cards now? Cause I'm assuming they're selling no, you these I, cards. I, yeah, they, they want it. Exactly. It's, it's basically exactly like Duelist or Hearthstone or something. They're doing that whole thing where you can, as you go, as you play, you can earn points and then it takes a thousand points to buy a pack of cards. Or, you know, for two ninety nine you can get like three packs of cards. And then for ninety nine ninety nine you can get three hundred packs of cards or whatever it is, right? Respect um, your time, Dale. Spend your money. Yeah. But here's the thing, I don't know enough about the current magic environment to know of the like five sets of cards that they have that you can choose from in the game right now. I have no idea which one is the base set and which one is like the second oldest and or the newest or anything like that. Because I think what they're gonna do what Hearthstone is now doing also is, and what Magic has always done in the tournament environment is like keep the last two years worth of card sets in the environment. And then as a new one comes out, 
one rotates out or like a whole block rotates out, right? So it'll be like um, you have a large set and then you have two smaller expansion sets that go with that one in a block. And then so at any given time, what you might have in the tournament environment is two full blocks of card sets or like one full and then the first base set of the next block or something. So anyway, that's more about magic than probably anybody ever wanted to know. But um, I want to keep playing it because I'm interested in seeing how this digital version of it develops. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing from it, uh, hearing about it in the future as it slowly crushes you. We'll that's see. what I look forward to. Yeah. Uh, well, on my side of the table here, uh, I've been playing a couple of things. I guess I might as well start with my little allusion there to Battletech, but uh, I'm actually not talking about Battletech uh, this week, weirdly. Uh, this week has been sort of a Jeremy week for me in video games because everything that I've played this week has been done through some convoluted network method. Uh, why, to... why do you do this? I just, I got to, I got to. So you don't have a monitor on your PC, do you? You, you have to do this. I have, I have two. Actually, Dale, do you, I'm going to reveal something. Uh, for the first time ever, I can tell you, I now have two monitors. Oh man. I have two monitors. It was my birthday and I oh, was very birthday, generously gifted. Thank you. I was very generously gifted a, a new wide monitor. So now nobody can, uh, can give me any Ooh, crap. About is, it, my is it like 41 by nine? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's actually like 34 by two. Uh, I had to get that resolution that fit me just right. Wow, that's, uh, no, it is, it is, it is a nice, it is a nice new monitor. It's about as nice as I've ever had. I want to get one of those like ultra wide, but the thing is they're so wide. Yeah. They're, yeah. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. yeah I need a like my desk. eyeballs can only look at, if I can't see the whole monitor in one, you know, if I have to sweep my eyes over it to see what's going on, it's too wide. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm getting used to this one, but, uh, so I do have that monitor, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, so I tried out the new steam link app. Uh, I know that we've talked about the steam link itself, a little hardware. We know that mm -hmm. they blew them out at, uh, you know, $6 a pop. A month or two ago, and the reason is that they've launched this app on, at least on Android, it turns out, we'll talk about this on our next show, but not for iOS, for other oh, reasons. Really? Is, but, it, is it just not ready yet? Uh, they've actually rejected it at Apple. So, oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, mm. Crazy. Uh, but for Android, man, we'll publish anything on that store, so we'll, uh, nice. you know, we'll get your Steam Link Open app. Source. And uh, so, I loaded it on my tablet. And uh, decided that I would try the best mouse and keyboard experience to see if I could play from my bed Battletech, because that's the game that I've been wanting to play the most. Uh, the great abstracted so, computerized version of a board game. And you're just using a tablet with a, just a touch the tablet interface. Well, so in my case, so you can do that. So I've tested it. Actually, so here's the thing. As we go through the games that I've played this week, I've done I've done a number of things. Okay. Um, so I guess I might as well just talk about that, too. I'll talk about my process. So my tablet, I have a Bluetooth mouse and a Bluetooth keyboard. And I was kind of curious to see, because if you do something like TeamViewer or Remote Desktop with it, that stuff will translate over. So it's just over. a broken laptop. It's like a thin client. It's like a thin client that I can take basically anywhere there's Wi-Fi and have the power of my whole computer with me anytime. Uh, and the Steam Link app translates that through now. So I found that with a Bluetooth mouse and a Bluetooth keyboard, I can play Battletech fully featured with all of the right clicks and left clicks. Because if you're doing touch, you know, they usually have you simulate the right touch by oh, with yeah, the tap and hold. That's lousy. And it makes, yeah, especially when you're doing some complicated stuff. And then with the keyboard, you know, you've got, you know, all those keys, all that office equipment there mm -hmm. to, you know, do all the buttons. Uh, and it works awesome. Like, it, it works great. Like, ideally, 
Um, so I played a little bit of that, found out that it was basically the legit experience. And then I'm like, what else can I do with this thing? So I decided I'd try Anything. the most complicated possible. Yeah, I decided that I would try the most complicated possible thing. So in addition, I don't even talk about all the stuff that I do, but I've actually got Steam set up to run this little um, Blizzard app shell. So I'm actually loading Battle.net through, through Steam uh, to play things like Overwatch through my Steam client and it'll actually report it that, oh, you know, Jeremy's playing Overwatch and it, you know, right. deals with it that way. But I was like, oh, you know what? I've got that shortcut to Overwatch. Let me try that. Yeah, and it yeah. turns out, hey, that actually worked too for the most So part. are you still in your house doing this or are you at the I'm in, shop? Yeah, I'm in my house. So the, okay. the current limitation of the Steam Link app is oh, the same right. as any. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be within the same network. <clears throat> I do actually want to try, now that you mention it, I actually do want to try setting up a VPN or something so that I can trick my device into thinking that it's inside you, the home network. You think that would work? Oh, yeah. I don't see any reason why not. As okay. long as you've got a robust Wi-Fi connection, and if it doesn't know, you might, you know, as far as it knows, you've just got a crappy in-home network. So I, I'm okay. sure it'll work, but I haven't tried it yet. Uh, so I did also try the Steam Link app with a mouse and keyboard playing Overwatch, loading my, loading my Blizzard, my Battle.net launcher with my tablet, in my bed. Okay, in in your bed. Like, what's your? How do you mouse? What's your mousing surface when you're sitting up in bed or whatever? My bare chest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Uh, no, I just I don't know the bed you or whatever. You know, just whatever. whatever yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little lumpy. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but. Uh, so there is one problem uh, with with Overwatch is that it only registers the mouse as far as it'll go across one side of the screen to the other. So I can't actually mouse scroll. So when I got into my into my game of Overwatch, I could always point roughly in the same direction the entire time. So I could run forward and then do it like a 90 degree jog to the side. And hopefully the hopefully the corridor would even out again and I could go forward again. So it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but my team Are still won our match. Are you saying mouse look? Right, you can only do mouse look within like a certain range. Like I've got about a forty-five degree arc that I can look in before my mouse hits the edge of the why tablet. Is, why is that? Because I'm doing something weird that nobody ever intended. But with Overwatch, when you move your mouse, it moves the reticle. But not... when I when I pick the mouse up, it like reset the mouse or something. Like weird. something about it, it was like I was locked in position. But my team did win our payload mission, and uh, I feel like I uh, I got a few critical kills. In Were you there, on the so. payload at least? Uh, not really, no. But as Junkrat, though, I did spawn in and I got I got a few, uh, I lobbed a few grenades in right at the last minute. So I did get some kills in the winning window. Okay. So okay. I'm crediting myself and the Steam Link app uh, with my victory. Uh, so then I also, in fact, I kind of am talking about this in a different order than I intended, but then I also, uh, you might remember a couple of weeks back, I actually forgot last week, but I took the uh, Dale Jones Challenge, the Tales of Monkey Island Right, Dale Jones yeah. Challenge. Yeah, that uh, I've been playing a little bit of Tales of Monkey Island. And uh, so first of all, the Steam Link app is smooth as butter. Uh, no problem. It actually does the tap interface. And, and this time I used my phone, uh, which is a, a Samsung Galaxy 9 or something like that. And it pretty well plays almost as if I'm pretty sure that game is available on mobile. And I have to imagine that the streamed version of this is basically as good as the I mean, not quite as good, but I mean, it, it roughly approximates the Knowing native. mobile versions, it might even be better. <laughs> it, could, it, could, it could be better. Um, it, does, it does this thing, though, kind of like, um, again, if you've ever used TeamViewer on mobile, it kind of does this thing where y your tap isn't necessarily where your finger lands, but you're rather sort of using almost like a touchpad idea to, or like a, like a trackball, kind of. So, you, you know, your, your finger, if, as you drag it, will 
correlate to the position of the cursor, but not necessarily directly where your finger is, if that makes sense. Do you follow me through that? Like like analog sticks on phone games? A, a, a little, kind of, a, a little bit. So I can pick up and drag my finger, and wherever the mouse cursor is, it will... You know, it will move correspondingly, basically. Um, and it works great. Um, I think the aspect ratio, again, was a little different on the phone than it was on the on the monitor itself. That And that seems to carry through. I think I talked about that with respect to my 4x3 monitor on previous shows, is that for some reason it doesn't really change the resolution to fit your current display. It just sends over whatever you've got, and then that's what appears on your screen. So even with my wide monitor, it wasn't quite right, which is weird because I think that the aspect ratio should be the same. Anyway, I'm not, not really sure about that, but uh, there were a few little anomalies as far as the as far as far the touch goes. I could move Guybrush around with kind of a drag interface, which... Um, oh, by the way, I really did not like how that worked, even on mouse and keyboard. Yeah, and that's that's different. So that's a little bit more like Grim Fandango controls, where like rather kind of than... Control. A little bit, yeah, a little bit, except, except in this case, it would be like you, you touch and then drag, and then that sort of points yeah. Guybrush in the direction, and then he'll walk in that direction. But it worked great. Like, I didn't, almost like immediately, I didn't have any problem getting around, um, navigating, and then tapping on people to, to trigger the left click to talk to them or interact with elements in the uh, in the game. Um, as far as the game itself goes, so I know that you just kind of picked it as the letter T. Me, for me, it was a return to a series that I've played a whole ton of, and it's pretty darn good like as good. far as the as far as the references and the callbacks and so, you, so you had not played this version before you i haven't no it's one of those things so i have a few like that like honestly i didn't ever really play the sam and max reboot either hmm. that that telltale did um so i don't know they just were they've been in my library the whole time and i've just never touched them so there are those little shamey i mean this is this is like pile of shame stuff right pile of shame has come to mean just anything that's in your library that you yeah. haven't played but but really i think as the if, if i remember correctly it was the squadron of shame the podcast squadron of shame sort right. of coined that coined that term uh it, it is actually the the core pile of little games that you really intend really to play but just don't so here i am my shame is there for everyone uh i have not played any of these monkey island games even though it's a beloved series but you have now I have now. Yes, I have now. And and I hope to uh, continue with it because from what I understand, I was looking this up. You can get through a chapter of this in a couple of hours, really. I mean, it was sort of short. The, in fact, this was one of the early Telltale games. Remember when episodic gaming was such a hard nut to crack and like even yeah. no, nobody could really do it. This was the closest they were doing at the time. Yeah, eventually they kind of gave up on that and they're like, no, we're going to release one every four months or whatever it is. But uh, this, this I think, is a smaller chunk of game and I think they released them more quickly at the time um, successively. Um, but again, uh, you know, you, you were talking about the, the different voice actors and I, were, I was looking them up a couple weeks ago, you remember, and I was real excited because right. like, oh, this guy's back and that girl's back and oh, yeah. like Chuck is this guy. They're all back um, and it's perfect. Great. And um, the I think the style of the puzzles is totally uh, appropriate. Uh, as far as I know, the original people, uh, Ron Gilbert, uh, Tim Schafer, those guys, as far as I know, I don't think any of them were involved in it. But it's really just pitch perfect as far as the interchange of dialogue, uh, the, the kinds of things that you do. I mean, even the opening sequence that you talked about. Uh, where you're on the, you know, you're, you're confronting kind of the final boss in, in the intro kind of kind of thing, right, that idea. Yeah. 
and there's like monkeys and you have to formulate a new magical grog out of, you know, you accidentally drop it. So you have to, you know, have to find stuff in the environment to, to make this new magical mm-hmm. grog and somehow make it, you know, f- fizz it on your sword to enchant it. All of that is true. All of that is true. Um, you eventually make it to, like you said, the island where the, the wind always blows inland and you have to do these piratey things. They, they, you know, just to get off the island and, and to get back into the action. Um, but the things that you do to, um, you know, you encounter, uh, callbacks to things like Guybrush Threepwood's uh, discomfort with porcelain, and uh, I, I, you know Stan, the 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 salesman from from the series, and the voodoo uh, the voodoo lady. Uh, all, all those people are there, and uh, it's it's just really good. Um, and since it's short, I'm hoping to be able to to progress through it. And just to try and alleviate my shame. I'm going to try and get through the whole series. I'm going to commit right here. I'm going to keep playing it. I don't know if I'm going to have a lot of new things to say about it other than to say, hey, it's still good, but... So do you think the the like five episodes altogether, will that make about the length of one of the older games or what? I, I doubt it. I think it'll still probably come out a little bit shorter. Really? I think. Okay. Yeah, because those, those games were... I mean, those games were 10 hours? Well, I don't know. I guess five episodes, right? So five episodes at a couple hours? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it'll be... Maybe it'll be hopeful. Roughly, you see. Yeah, more or less. Um... And uh, I don't know, it's it's just really joyful. And, and I, I dig that kind of humor. It's the, I don't know, pirate jokes are pretty good sometimes. I don't know. There's just something about it. Maybe, maybe it's just something that I picked up from playing those early games. But uh, You're a real big fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love that Lonely Island, uh, Jack Sparrow. This is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow song they do. Uh, Unrelated, but anyway. So, so I played that uh, com- completely. I played it first. I sat down and played it on my Steam Link on my TV with a controller, mm-hmm. and then I played it through the Steam Link app. And so that's why that came up in the context of this conversation. The last game that I played this week, I also played through Remote Play, but this is the more conventional uh, PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita Remote Play. Although I actually used the PS4 Remote Play app that goes on Windows 10. Because for the Game Byte Show video stream this past week, Jared and I played Tooth and Tail, which just recently had a cross-platform update so that you can actually play PC and PS4 uh, competitively. You can actually play Versus. And uh, as happens with games like Rocket League or uh, you know War Thunder or whatever we played, pretty seamless, like there's no trouble at all. Generally, once they roll that stuff out, it's like you don't even notice. And I'm sure it's not you know, easy for them to do, but I mean, it's an awesome function that I feel like should be in more games. I mean, that, I think that seems to be, I don't know that it's the the big war cry for a lot of people, but why not make games that are on different platforms? Why not at least give people the option to play with their friends Mm -hmm. um, across platforms? So, uh, so for some reason, Jared was like, Hey, let's, let's play this one. Let's play tooth and tail. Uh, So we did. And uh, I want to talk about tooth and tail a little bit because it is, a little different than I thought it would be, uh, just in that it's a little more severe, uh, surprisingly. So, oh, really? uh, tooth and yeah, so tooth and tail is a um, what would you call it? Like it's of that tradition of Disney Robin Hood and you know Secrets of Nim, Rats of Nim, Miss Frisbee, Red Wall, yeah, Watership Down, like those kinds of things where you have anthropomorphized animal characters. Okay, and that's a per- great choice because actually Tooth and Tail is a lot more like American Tail 
than it is like some of those other things because the theme of Tooth and Tail is basically like the Bolshevik Revolution or something like that. Yeah. So the the premise of the game is that there are these different animal factions and they're not... Um, so in Watership Down, all the good guys were rabbits and the bad guys were like, you know, I, I don't know, whatever. There were sort of animal... Like the rabbits were always the good guys, and the the wolves are the bad guys, or something like that. That's not what kind happens of Animal here. Farm esque. Yeah, exactly. Animal Farm is another great reference. Um, but in this case, everybody's kind of the same. And furthermore, the thing that they're all obsessed with is eating meat. the The entire basis of this is that they want to eat meat. And where does meat come from? Meat comes from other animals. Mm -hmm. So the premise of the game is that just like the, it reminds me of kind of like the early, you know, 20th century Russia or whatever. And you have the the proles and the, and the people who are sort of down on the, everybody in this game is like poor and starving all the time. And they'll only eat meat because what I gather is that, that uh, you know, wheat and fodder, it, they call it the food of beasts. Like they don't want to eat it. They want meat. And so they go to war with these other essentially political factions in order to defeat them and to eat them, to, to literally eat them. Whoa. And they talk about all the time, like between missions, you go into these little areas, these little like hub areas that are sort of like, oh, this is our encampment or, you know, this is our American tale, like hole in the wall place where our revolution, you know, our, our, our soldiers are staying and they're all hungry and whatever. Um, and they, they, they talk about like the, the first guy that you play, like the, the opening cinema is he's like, oh, they took my son for the, for the grist mill or whatever. And, you know, so then I wanted revenge and, and they just talk all the time about like, oh, this guy got eaten or that guy got eaten. And like, well, that's the law of nature. And it makes me think about my cats and how they're always just, they're always hungry. Like they don't care. They're just like, meow, meow, meow. Give me some food. Give me some food. Mm -hmm. And, and they've got this entire like political socio you know warfare thing going on just for the privilege of eating the meat of other animals um and it's i don't i don't know it's, i just find it really disturbing like it's really an unsettling world uh and, and it really is kind of like american tale like it's that that era that sort of you know um you know, wooden barrels and, and, you know, thatched roofs and rainy, you know, cruddy days and things like that. Um, but let's talk about the game. So that's the backdrop. That's the setting. But what the game is, is it's a fairly uh, simplified, say, Age of Empires type game or a mm -hmm. real time strategy type game. Uh, you play as one character. You really only control one main avatar. And it's usually a banner carrier. And it's, you know, the, the, there's the, the people who represent the common folk, or there's the one who represents the, you know, the, the revolutionist, you know, Bolsheviks, or there's one who represents the, I don't know, intellectual whoever they what's it's. There's another one who's like the, the commissar, like he's got like the military outfit on. So all these factions have, um, kind of different avatars, but the, the units that you can field basically are the same across factions. Um, and the gameplay itself is basically one or two buttons. Um, and you can either tap or hold. So I was playing on a controller since I played on the PlayStation. I, I was the PS4 half of our stream and Jared was playing on PC. You, you move your character around the map and there is a terrain sort of line of sight thing that goes on with it. Um, and the idea is to capture these grist mills. Grist mills are run by the pigs. The pigs are like the lowest... Uh, they're the lowest on the food chain. They accept the fact that other animals eat them and that they produce food. They like don't even care or something, which also is really unsettling. They've just like accepted their place in society. Oh yeah. And they, they'll like talk about it. They're like the low, low class and they're just there to breed and to be eaten and stuff. And it's very 1984. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's unsettling crazy. stuff. 
Um, so in the game, you you start out with one grist mill, which has eight plots around it. Let's see, th three, six, seven, eight. Yeah, eight plots around it, and you have to pay to unlock more pigs to work those those farm units. But they are limited, and the range of influence that they have is limited. So you need to wander out into the field to find and to to pay money to get more grist mills to expand your influence and to expand the food that's coming in, because the food is what then produces your ability to field more units. So as you're walking around the map, if you're within your sphere of influence, you can place down animal warrens that will summon different kinds of units. Uh, the low infantry units are typically very cheap. They'll produce pretty quickly. Uh, you then have some more specialized units. You'll have hero characters, and then you'll have like turrets and emplacements and things like that. So you'll actually run around real time, place these things. Um, food, you know, the, the, the currency is produced real time as well. And so you basically have to kind of uh, figure out that good balance between the food production and the unit production, because you can't have one really outpace the other or you're not really getting into a right. good gear, so yeah, to speak. Um, and then the other component to it is that you want to try and not overextend yourself territory-wise because, you know, you'll, if you go out to the middle of the map and they're like, ah, oh, I'm going to get this one out in the middle and then he can't get it. Well, now your unit production is kind of far back on the map. You can't get your people there positionally to get into, into range of, of actual combat. So you also have to carefully choose where you're going to expand your, your real estate, your actual territory. Um, and that's how the game plays out more or less in a nutshell. There is a campaign version of that where they will slowly introduce the concept of new units to you, new factions to you. They'll have missions that are, um, it's not always the same. I mean, you know, sometimes in games like StarCraft or something, it'll be like, well, we're just going to give you this core little set of units. You're not going to get any base and you've just got to run through this this gauntlet. Yeah, those, of, are, those are fun sometimes. Mm -hmm. So this will have some things like those, um, and they'll have more open missions. They'll have things where it's like, oh, you've got to find this AI character to be on your team, and, and then that'll unlock them, and they'll start helping you. And, and then they also have the uh, competitive play as well, which is basically just a free unlock uh, of any kind of units that you want and just go at it against against someone. Um, and they have a couple of fun modes where you can actually randomize your army, which is kind of neat, and that was kind of fun. We actually did that on the stream. Um, and in general, it is just kind of a really different experience. Um, so I guess I didn't really mention, but the, you know, the, the two buttons that you're doing, and maybe it's past time to talk about this, but uh, the only things that you really do with your avatar are to plant uh, buildings so you can either you know start work on new plots of farmland or plant warrens of a particular type. You can toggle with the, you know, thumbstick or whatever to, to plant different kinds of warrens. But as far as the attacking and the defending, you just have one button for that. And you either press it to summon either everybody or a gr certain groups, you know, certain types of units to a certain place. Sounds like a Halo Wars style. Kind of, kind of, where in Halo Wars you would just basically, yes, exactly, you would say, all right, everybody in this sphere, go. Like, I've selected you, go. In this case, you just select all units of any type or a particular type of unit. You say, okay, go to where my avatar is right now. Everybody come, and they'll fight anybody along the way. Or if you need to pull them back, you hold that button, and then they will simply follow you and ignore enemies. So the combat itself is really simplified. It's just... Rock, paper, scissors, do you have enough people? Are they where you want them to be? Does the other guy have enough people? And who's gonna come out on top based on the, the different kinds of, of units and, and you know, firepower-wise, who's, who's gonna be victorious? 
Um, and then all of that stuff that I talked about as far as the economy and the you know food production uh, you know versus the unit production and and all of the Warrens will simply produce those units up to a certain max provided that you've got the food to do it so they're always cranking out new units all on the backs of the pig class who I'm sure by the end of the campaign are probably going to figure out that they control the means of production and they will take everybody to the butcher basically so that's tooth and tail four legs good two legs bad two legs bad uh that is the uh the the thrust of tooth and tail and folks that is going to be the end of this game bite show podcast for today we appreciate having you with us uh if you have any opinions about uh streaming things on the steam link app if you are jumping into an mmo for the first time uh, in the last few years and and kind of want to tell us about it let us know we're on social media you can find us on twitter at game bite show you can also reach out to us individually i am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. And I am at Count Elmdor. You can also find our uh, fellow co-hosts. Uh, Legrand Jolly is at Legrand, L-E-G-R-A-N-D-E. And you can find Jared Red Eye Dunn at R-E-D underscore I. I mentioned that Jared is the one who is running most of our Twitch streams over at twitch.tv slash Show. You can find our tooth and tail video on demand over there, or you might be able to find it on youtube.com slash Show. Lots of good stuff over there. Subscribe to either one of those or why not both. Uh, you can also find us over at www.gamebyteshow.com where you can find our back catalog of podcasts, sidebar of video content, and a link to the Discord channel. I want to make a special mention of our Discord this week because we're talking about getting a game club going again. And this game club is uh, in honor of the current Steam sale that's going on where they're encouraging you to go back to your backlog. So for the month of June, over on uh, the Discord link to uh, Game Byte Show, we are planning on having an open backlog Log Game Club. Uh, the rules have already been posted. We have uh, a channel in the Discord that is called the Backlog Salad Game Club, uh, where you can basically go back and play anything that you've played less than two hours of, and then we'll have a discussion each week to talk about whatever game it is that we're playing, share that with the community, and uh, if you're doing things on the Steam sale as well, I think you can get some badges for doing that stuff. So come along with us. There's a link to the Discord in the show notes for this show and every other show over at GameByteShow.com. Uh, definitely check that out. We'll be back in just a few days with another Game Byte Show podcast. We'll talk to you about the news and the new releases and stuff that's coming up. But until that time, this has been your Game Byte Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. <laughs>